0: Welcome to Sydney Property Insider, giving you news and insights on the Sydney property market. Your hosts are Michelle May, a professional buyer's agent and owner of her independent buyer's agency, and Marcus Roberts, a member of Property Investment Professionals of Australia and owner of leading mortgage broker firm, Brighter Finance.
1: Good morning and welcome to another episode of the Sydney Property Insider Podcast, your fortnightly podcast series that talks about all things property-related in the city of Sydney. We are now coming into December 2020, of the the end of a year that feels like a decade. And as a result, it's just me on the, the line because Michelle has some prior engagements now with the market the way that it is. I am very, very honoured and lucky to have Director and Principal of Bell Property Lane Cove, James Bennett, on the line with us today. And, and James is going to talk to us about the Lane Cove market, his, what he's found over the, the past few years, you know, what he likes about the area and so forth. And James, really great to have you on the show. Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. So James, just as a, a bit of an intro for our listeners, um, I, I've just wanted to to give an understanding of what you've done. I, I mean, to start off with, I yes. Rate My Agent, you've had the Greenwich Agent of the Year for the last three years running. You're in the top 100 agents for agents Australia-wide. Um, in 2016 and 15. you were in the top five agents for Bell Property Australia-wide. And yep. your sales achievements, your genuine commitment, consistent performance for customers has, has seen you nationally recognised at as as we've just mentioned for the last few years. You've yeah. been involved in, I think, if I'm reading this correctly, eight hundred and fifty million dollars worth of local real estate sales. So that is is quite a number of transactions. You'd certainly have seen seen a number of different options over the years. Yeah, most
0: of that's pretty accurate. But uh, that eight hundred fifty million number. Well, I have to update. I think you got that from my bio, which is probably about a year and a half old now, a year old. So I might, I might so update it. But yeah, so something so like you're
1: that. Probably about three billion now after the last eighteen months. That, yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. exactly. Yeah. Just
1: triple that. Just triple that. Yeah. And most yeah. importantly, I've got here that you you completed the NCAA tournament as a on a tennis scholarship in the US. So where did you go to college over there? Uh, I
0: was in a fairly uh, provincial south. State, uh, Tennessee, very different to here. No, my family's from Alabama,
1: so we go a lot more south and more
0: I did go to Alabama quite a bit. We play a lot of the schools in the south, but I went to a, a Tennessee Tech and then I played tennis <laughs> there. I, yeah. I never had any aspirations of, and I was, honestly, I was never good enough to do anything professionally with tennis, but I played at a, a decent enough level that I could go to college and I wanted to keep playing. I wasn't finished with the sport. i not really... I really achieved everything I wanted to, and I wanted to keep playing. I've always been sporty, and I've always wanted to compete, and the college system was a great way to get a degree, and my parents valued education and things like that. So, you know, that was a decent thing to do at the time, Um, and I had a great experience. It gave me a lot of uh, worldly life experience while I was over there. But, um, yeah, then I came back to Australia straight away. I wasn't one of the people that got absorbed by the American culture and stuff like that. I love Sydney, and I love living in Australia. And uh, yeah, yeah, my family and my friends. Very similar
1: to myself. I went to uh, University of Hawaii and moved back about a month after graduation and um, and have been here for the last oh, we're coming up to twenty years, which makes me feel old. Oh, so, wow. wow. so yeah, so certainly I, I loved living in the US and as a USS and it was a wonderful time, but not somewhere I want to to get old grow old and, and raise a family. So moving back to Sydney, you you fell into to property, you've, you've moved into property. Yep. Tell us about your history in the Lane Cove area and I guess even, even before then, how, how you came about getting into property and into the yep. real estate market.
0: Well, summer breaks from college, I would uh, come to my mum's, I would say my mum's in Greenwich and there was a real estate agent there that needed an, a, like a help on Saturdays and um, sort of stumbled across that little opportunity to work Saturdays and a one day a week prospecting when I was like, Twenty years old, twenty one, coming back from college, um, mm-hmm. very much informal part time gig at the time. Got my registration, whatever. But didn't, wasn't really. I wasn't like convinced that would be a career. It was just something to do. Well. I was here for a bit of money. But then when I came back full time, you know, I had a finance degree, and that was start, uh, end of December two thousand and eight, which you might recall was end of the GFC and or the start of it, I guess. And uh, there wasn't a lot of jobs at the time in the financial industries when I got back in Australia. I wasn't coming out of the Australian University system. So I worked for a chamber of commerce briefly, but still was working Saturdays for this agent. And a little bit of an opportunity came up to join the office full time, but not with her full time. She wasn't quite at the level to take me on at at that moment. And um, over that process, I met Simon Harrison, who's my now business partner. But I basically became an associate for him off the back of working there not a very long time in leasing. And I guess everything sort of progressed from there. It's been a really, I felt like it was a very fast growth path, but I was able to do it on the shoulders of Simon, who is probably one of Australia's best real estate agents and business owners. Uh, Very lucky that that's who I had for a mentor and uh, he's really carried me through all the stages. And I probably accelerated because of being able to leverage off his processes, his um, patterns, his habits, and you know his his ethics and things like that. I think that that served me well.
1: Fantastic, and, and you know to have met him so um, so early on in the piece, in, as you say, back in two thousand eight um, and, and two thousand nine. So essentially, yeah. you've, you've been with Simon in terms of that type of partnership now for the last well, coming up to twelve years or so. If I'm not yeah, mistaken.
0: twelve years. Twelve years. Uh, yeah. So twelve years, um, and obviously you know sort of eventually we we sort of separated our teams it wasn't really uh, efficient to have you know myself in his team because it was almost like dividing our attention um you know I would you know I'd be getting paid for for listings I wasn't turning up to and he was getting paid on listings that he'd never met the owner of and it didn't really it it was at the point where I could go out and, and do it myself and that that made perfect sense then and then obviously from a leadership point of view and you know being the the next performer in that office and the natural progression was to become a partner, and and that happened in two thousand sixteen, and then obviously it's progressed even further from there. Um, we're now joint principals in Hunters Hill Lane Cove, and we've got two great offices with amazing staff and a, an incredible culture. And uh, yeah, it's been a very fast progression from there.
1: Well, so tell us how Lane Cove has um, Lane Cove and, and so the Granite area have changed since you've started working now having. I guess, lived and worked in the same area now for that 12 to 15 years, giving you a really great depth to the market and and to your understanding, to your knowledge in the market. How has the area changed in that last 12 years?
0: It's almost primarily uh, young families, you know, really, really uh, growing in that area. The primary schools have come a long way over that decade. The village has had several renovations, you know, there's an escalator down to Woolworth now, and uh, the coals, and there's oh, more wow. and more restaurants popping up. And uh, yeah, the escalator was big. And then um, now they've just finished the um, the park renovation and car park at Rosenthal behind uh, behind uh, longerville Road there, uh, which you know um, is sort of a you know a very appealing area for young mums and things to take kids and walk around the village, and, and so it's got a really it's had a very big change in the type of people that go to live in Lane Cove. When I first started, it was still very sleepy. It was a place you drove past. You wouldn't drive to. You had a lot of post-war homes that hadn't, still hadn't been developed. I mean, it was definitely getting developed during yeah. the 2000s, but um, it hadn't really completely been developed. And now, you know, they're less and less likely to come up the, the old 50s, 60s post-war home. Uh, But it was a lot of that generation still in the suburb, and that has changed a lot. There's not a lot of that left, and it has become a very, you know, there is a downsizer, there is a downsizer contingent there, but it's it's a lot smaller than it was, and it's much more primarily angled at family, young families, because of there's three primary schools within two kilometres of each other, which is St Michael's, Lane Cove Public, and Lane Cove West, and then not far away you've got Lang Cove, uh, Mowbray Road Public School, which is Lane Cove North. So you've got this really great sort of development area for kids from zero to sort of 11 or 12, and then you've got Riverview and Willoughby Girls and uh, Joey's across Hunters Hill. So it, it's, um, you know, shore on the train line if you're in Greenwich. Um, so there's there's a really sort of nice family progression there. It's a very, uh, now a very trendy and, and uh, prestige peninsula market, which stems from Lane Cove. You sort of got the Five Fingers, Greenwich, Longerville, Northwood, Riverview, Lindley Point. So, yeah, it's it's got a natural sort of um, circle of life there once you get in. So, moving to the last
1: sort of 12 months, uh, we, we've talked about the, the longer term, but but talking more about uh, current affairs, so to speak, how has um, how has COVID changed the market in the Lane Cove area? How has it affected your strategies when working with a vendor to, to sell a property in the
0: area? Uh, it's been really hard because, you know, you have every month or two, you've got like a different... I don't know, rhetoric about what's going to happen. You know, four or five months ago, we were saying, you know, it's holding, but it's only just holding by a thread. And we're probably staring down the barrel of some real, real damage um, that's been done by all the economic stress and people's incomes and things like that. And all of a sudden, now we're being told that actually everyone did pretty well during that period. And only a couple of industries actually struggled. And the government's, uh, you know stimulus has sort of pushed us through it and now because i think the government handled covid quite well actually we're, we're now in a situation where we're all able to go out and work in um you know i'm able to get married next week and oh, uh and have, have 50 people on the dance floor and stuff like that where other countries are getting you know thousands of thousands of cases a day and so i, I don't know i think that now we've come out of it with low interest rates and uh peeps of you know everybody's saved a lot of money and and so I, yeah like the land market at the moment is doing as well as any i think and uh probably the unit market hasn't been as strong so the unit market in land hasn't been taking off in conjunction with the housing market uh just probably because there's there's quite a bit of stock from all the development that's happened there's a big redevelopment that occurred in land over the last 12 years and loads of new blocks built very close to the village and so there's quite a bit of opportunity for renters to get very cheap rents at the moment and um so that market it probably hasn't moved as, as sharply but yeah i during covid we had to change strategies when we did buy appointments for a, a couple of weeks that was really tough at like the time i think i was running like 13 campaigns wow. when the first lockdowns hit and it was yeah it was real stressful because really hadn't seen anything like that wasn't sure what to do but you know, I, I actually had one of my best I actually had my best quarter uh, on record actually was the my, April, May, June quarter. So I uh, was a little bit lucky that I went into it with a lot of stock and I, I was actually able to move them. But yeah, it was it was it was it was tough and, you know, the conversations were a little bit sketchy because you're not really sure. You don't really know mm-hmm. and neither does the owner. And you know, that that was um, something where, you know, we just had to lay it all out for owners to make decisions. And at the time, we didn't have a, a knowledge that we would come out of it as well as we have. So uh, other than that, I think we're, we're more or less back to normal. I mean, you know, we are still can I mean, all the sanitization is still there. So I guess things have changed. I don't know if that'll that's what happens when we get through this, you know, if we can get through all of that. If we can get through all of that with the vaccines and everything like that, we, I mean, maybe we go back to not having to sanitise at every single inspection. But at the moment, that's what we're doing. So that's, I guess, changed the way we behave on, on weekends. But strategy-wise, we're sort of back to the normal, I think.
1: Mm. And one of the things you mentioned, uh, um, you, you mentioned a, a word there that I want to come back to, which is stock levels. Um, what are you finding in terms of stock in the Lankoke market? Here we are at the end of, um, end of 2020, just coming into the Christmas period
0: incredibly low it's got to be the lowest i've seen i mean i focus mainly on the east side of lane cove and greenwich which is completely adjacent It and in, since the first week of november there hasn't been a single house on the market in greenwich and there was only two houses on the market on the east side of uh of pottery green lane cove and i you know i had that those listings so it, it's actually very very quiet In my personal marketplace, Lane overall was quiet but a little busier on the other side. Uh, Riverview, Longville, Northwood, sort of healthy but still low, like healthy-ish. But overall, to take the postcode uh, and include Greenwich in that and you uh, look at previous years is definitely down probably, I think, somewhere in the vicinity of 30 or 40%. Hmm.
1: Okay. So if if one of our listeners was, say, uh, you know, prospectively um, thinking about moving to another area of Sydney and they were looking at selling what do you think they should be looking at when they're in the market they, for finding they, and collecting real estate
0: agent they should be looking at bell property Lane Cove, and nowhere else no, i'm joking okay. um yes. they <laughs> probably should they probably should consider you know first they've got to be comfortable with the age and i think everybody has to go through that first impression but i think mainly uh, the things to look for are track record in a certain price range and and uh marketplace so if you've got a if you've got a $2 million or $2.5 million house in Lane Cove, try and select the agent that has the strongest track record in that price range that that can leverage off not only his own business or her own business, but uh, leverage off the, the strength of the rest of his office or her office and really do research on what has sold in the last 6 to 12 months, which is relevant to the home that you're selling it's all well and good for every agent to come and tell you how strong they are and have an amazing database and the buyer that they know that's going to pay premium for your house. It's literally the rhetoric of every single agent. The only way you can really know if someone's likely to have that advantage is if they are selling more homes in that, in that price bracket and more homes in that price range. The likelihood is they're having more conversations than anyone else. No one owns buyers. So that would be the thing that, I mean, certainly for me, you know, that would be the thing that I look for if I was choosing an agent, and that's because I know what the strength of that is when I'm selling for people. I know that when things aren't going well, I have backup plans. I have other properties that we've sold that I can call through that may not have seen it online or not have made the effort to come and see it, and I can encourage them to do so. Um, Other agents just may not have access to that. They only have sold three properties in six months in between two and three million so what database are they going to you know are they just sending a blanket email to their entire database and hoping there are people there that will want to buy it or you know are they you know if you've got an agent that's just sold four in a fortnight uh, and has met you know 25 contract holders you know 19 of which have bid on a property at 2.5 well it's likely they're going to know a buyer that is going to be interested in your place if that's around the price range that you're sitting. So that would be the number one thing that I think you look for outside of being comfortable with the person and you know, the fact that you, you know they've got integrity and, and you've seen them act responsibly in the market for a long period of time. I think those are the things you're looking for. The numbers don't lie. Agents lie, but the numbers won't lie. If you, if you do your research, you'll be able to see who's selling what and why an agent is more trusted than another. Good
1: advice. Yeah. Um, so, so certainly on board with with all of that. So we've spoken about advice for potential uh, vendors. There's a, we have a lot of listeners that are either looking at purchasing their first or the purchasing their next home. You know, in, in the market that we're currently in, especially in the Cove areas, as you would know. um, Do you have any advice for for those um, prospective buyers out there in, 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 at the end of 2020?
0: Yeah. I mean, look. I- I'm always reticent to say what the advice is for buyers because, as I said, it keeps changing on you know month to month. If it was right now, I see no signs that the market is going to slow down. I think we're in for significant growth next year, and I, I feel like the the thing to say is uh, get in earlier, The earlier you get in, the the more you might benefit from that growth. But you know, that's what an agent would say, right? They want you to buy the properties that they're selling, so it's obviously like, yeah, buy now, buy now, because now's the time. And and so, uh, you know. Whether that changes or not, with you know the, the government uh, spending coming off in March, who knows? From what I can tell and everything that I'm reading, it doesn't look like that's likely to be a, an impact anymore. I think we've sort of gotten through that. So I would say that if you are a buyer and you see something you like, and you know it, it takes you an extra 20 to 50 grand to get it over the line to secure it, don't be afraid of paying that because I can assure you, if you know if you're in a unique position to buy something off market or you know you're able to buy something without the competition, you're in a better position than if it goes to market at the moment. Um, two auctions I had on Saturday in Lane Cove, I had 10 registered bidders at both or nine and 10 and over five bid on each of them. And, you know, the extra 50 grand or the stronger offer they could have maybe put in prior to that uh, that auction um, might've been enough to get the owners to sell and it might have shortchanged the owners, you know, if they were decided to take a bird in the hand. Obviously that comes back to the agent again to give them good advice, but you know, in some cases, if you've got such a strong offer on the table, it's hard to say no. And we've seen that happen. Where you know, I had, I had one on the weekend where we were t- getting a lot of offers around two eight two eight five. Guide was two seven five, and the owners were like, "Look, we we would sell prior," and they're sort of asking whether they even take the two eight five two nine. And I obviously felt that we would get a better result at auction, so we pushed forward. But if I'd gotten three million or three million and fifty, which would have been above our range, you know, I would have considered giving the owner the advice that, "Hey, you know, we might not get this in a week or two. But none of the buyers were willing to put their hand up and and do that. And and so we just decided to go to auction the final week. But we sold for three, two. And Mm. a couple of the buyers said to me, oh, I was really thinking about putting in an offer of three or just over three. And, you know, would that have bought it? And, you know, the reality is it might have. So I think if you see what you want, don't hesitate because you're buying in Lane Cove or these these sort of – Residential areas for longevity. You pay an extra 50 grand today or 100 grand today, you won't remember it in 10 years. In 15 nice. years, you won't go, oh, Remember when we paid that extra 100 grand? You know, I'm not saying overpay for things, but don't don't miss them because you're trying to be uh, coy. And complementing
1: what you're saying now, James, goes back to, to something you said a few minutes ago, which is um, given all of that in addition to the fact that, as you say, that there's quite a low level of stock means that you just might not have that opportunity to find that same type Again. of property in two months' time Correct. or in a month's time. Correct. So if Correct. this is the the place for you and if you, you know, certainly don't want people to overpay, but if this is the right place for you and you are expecting to hold for the long term, you know, and you can make the numbers work, then you know, you might not get that second opportunity in two months' time.
0: That's right. Yeah, exactly right.
1: So, James, you know, we, we've spoken a bit about the the market and in, in, in overall. Since you know, you've had a number of years in in the area, do you have any either anecdotes or a, a most challenging sale that you you've come across in the last few years that stands out in your mind?
0: I mean, there's there's been loads of of, of very challenging sales that I've had, but I think one recently actually was one of the ones that was more satisfying was a a campaign that was going unbelievably well and um, we had 140 something buyers through it and 30 contracts out and and just a huge amount of interest but there was this aspect that came up towards the end where people were sort of worried about two massive gum trees and they just affected buyers' confidence at a price level that looked very achievable we'd had an offer of 2.5 on the property and you know, we sort of felt like, well, we've got about, you know, six or seven other buyers quite interested. And, and so we were running it to auction. And and what happened in the week of auction is that the buyers had all gone and got advice from council about those trees. And there really was no guarantee they could be moved. And that really did limit the property's potential for the floor plan. And the house was an unusual floor plan, not, not typical house floor plan, amazing spot. And the auction, sort of flopped quite heavily which we we anticipated on about Thursday afternoon we knew we were in trouble uh we only had three bids and we were nowhere near the price that we wanted to achieve and certainly we wanted to at least get over two five which we would had during the campaign and uh interestingly when we passed in we didn't get a, a high enough offer on the table from the buyers that were there on the day and so we sort of left and had to go open up others and, and i was just ringing through everybody that would listen and um you know, we took a buyer back at 12.30 that day that was at the auction that had only just seen it. And we, uh, you know, we're calling all the contract holders again to see if we could reinvigorate them. And we just we just weren't really there. And, and the owners did, really did sort of have motivation to sell. They knew where they were moving to. But I, I got an inquiry on one in Greenwich in the afternoon around two o'clock. And it was somebody I had been dealing with in Greenwich for quite a while. And they... Um, hadn't considered Lane Cove and I said look and this is what I, my point earlier about having access to people that you know other ages might not just have I sort of said look there's this amazing place on the golf course it's actually set up perfectly for you and your, your teenage kids do you want to come and see it this afternoon price range and and so we we organized inspection for them at 4:15 p.m so we had the auction at 9 30 or something like that 4 15 p.m I'm taking a buyer through that's never seen it and over the course of 45 minutes they went from not really that interested to all right we'll make an offer and uh, I got an offer from them in just below 25 and somehow I was able to go and get one of the underbidders from the auction earlier in that day back on board and said you know basically what we were saying again about you won't get this opportunity again and you know you've only got to beat one buyer and I end up having a bidding war and just getting just over 2 25 and selling it at 945 that night wow uh, imagine the the infill of that entire day and the angst of everybody, and and you know the fact that we were in such a strong position, and to be so far away from a deal at three o'clock in the afternoon, to somehow taking someone through that's never seen it that afternoon, and then buying it on unconditionally at nine thirty at night—that was pretty um, pretty cool deal.
1: Truly amazing, yeah. So that's uh, that. That would be a, a very big day full of wildly um, <laughs> contrasting emotions. I can imagine. Yeah. yeah um, correct. So correct. James, you know, coming. Coming to the wrap-up part of the episode, um, one thing that that Michelle has made a note of over and over again to me prior to this episode is she wants to know she wants our listeners to know about your videos. So they're very different yeah. from everyone else's, and I I believe she's she's speaking about both your Instagram as well as um, as well as maybe the listing videos. But first, how would our listeners find your Instagram account? And then second, you know, what is it about your your videos that is
0: so uh, so unique? Well, obviously they go for humor. And, you know, not, which look, there's a, a few agents doing humorous videos and uh, I think some of them do them really well and some of them are awful and, you know, hopefully mine aren't in the category of awful, but I, we tend to get pretty good response to ours. We try to, I guess we're trying to, I would like it to be an extension of me. I'm actually, I don't take myself really seriously at work i work very hard and i and i'm very competitive and i want to be the best agent but i don't i don't try and uh i suppose build up the job of what we do and uh uh, i suppose when you're doing a video and you're trying to act really important and speak really clearly and say the same thing you say about every single property that you're selling it was getting a little bit boring and not very original you've got you know all these you know particularly young guys you know throughout Sydney doing property videos where they're dressed to the nines and they you know they present yet again another family special that has amazing floor plan uh, layout amazing bedrooms that you know it's never memorable it's usually the same thing over and over and some people may not even get that much out of the video but I figured if I could put something in there that would you know differentiate them and, and be a bit of an extension of myself and my team that there would be a little more originality a little bit more memory of it and that's what we're we're finding is happening. We, you know, we've we've done some. i we've done some videos that I, even I cringe at, but I still, th- you know, th- think they're still funny, and they they show that we don't take us too seriously, but we have a lot of fun. So yeah, I um, I think um, I don't know. You know, if you need to find them or you want to watch them, probably the easiest is my Instagram, um, which is Sydney Real Estate Agent, just one word. And um, how quickly
1: after Instagram. Set up? Did you set that up? That must have been within the first day. No,
0: well, I, unfortunately, I set it up very late. I set it up extremely late, and um, you know, I wasn't hugely Instagram centric uh, until more probably only a couple of years ago. But I sort of saw the opportunity of Instagram to sort of be a little more individual on that mm-hmm. than on Facebook and and other things where you've got professional pages and stuff like that. I think you've got to, it's a, it's a fine line, but you you, you want to make sure that you are still have integrity on on your page and you know you, you so you need to keep it professional but I also think you can slip a lot of that individual personality and humor into it and uh, yeah I've sort of adopted that attitude towards my Instagram you know sometimes I'll do just a funny video on on the story at a property I'm showing or you know um, try and find funny scenarios that I'll reenact or, or something like that you know it's really not uh, anything specific that I try to do i I, I play around with it quite a bit. Mm-hmm.
1: Good. So if our listeners do want to get in touch with you, James, that's, um, so the Instagram handle is at Sydney Real Estate Agent. Yep. And if they want to get in touch with you in any other way, um, what's the the best contact detail to provide?
0: Yep. 04, yeah, my mobile phone number 0403-504-724 or my email is james.bennett at bellproperty.com.
1: Great. Okay, uh, James. Thank you very much for your time. That's that's been really helpful. I'm, I'm sure our listeners are going to get a lot of value out of out of that. If you have any questions for James, you can certainly reach him at the mobile or email address that uh, James has just mentioned. If you have any questions for Michelle and myself or any ideas for um, future episodes on the show, you can always contact us at ask at sydneypropertyinsider.com.au. That's A-S-K at sydneypropertyinsider.com.au. And we will be with you same time, same place in the weeks ahead. Have a great uh, fortnight, everyone.
0: Please note that any views or opinions presented in this podcast are solely those of the speakers and do not necessarily represent those of any business. These views and opinions are general in nature and do not take into account your personal objectives financial situation and needs. Please consider whether it applies in your circumstance and seek professional advice where appropriate.